0: Shut Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 187 of the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. I'm Jim, your host tonight with another of my X-Men catch-up episodes where we're going to go through a bunch of books here to get closer and closer to the finish line, get caught up with these X-Men books, and we're only a couple weeks away. We'll have this done in a couple weeks, and then the excitement of that will be what will we do next. What will we do next? But before we get on to that, let me tell you where you can find us all around the internets. We are on Twitter at WSMarvelComics. We have a website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com, where we review all the new books. I'll be reviewing the Empire Avengers book this very week. We also have a YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics, where I do video reviews of both Marvel and DC books, and I am planning on mixing in some manga and some independent titles as well, starting this week, hopefully. Uh, I really do have to apologize if you do go over to the YouTube channel. There are a lot more DC books right now as video reviews, mainly because there's a lot more DC books coming out right now than there are from Marvel, so as we get more and more books out from Marvel, that situation will equal itself out. Hopefully, we so shall see. And we also have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash Science, where you can go and support us for all these things that we do, but also get a ton of shows in return. One of the things we do every Wednesday night, me and Brandon get together and do the Weird Science Marvel Comics Patreon only spotlight. That is pretty self explanatory, but it is an episode of books picked by the bad butts of the Fresh Dark Crew. Beep, boop. Uh, And it's one of those where it's exclusive to the Patreon this past week because there's not still a lot of books coming out. We had a new and an old, and the new was Ant Man number five. The old wasn't so old, but it's Power Man and Iron Fist number one, picking from. The free books by black creators that we have right now on the Marvel Unlimited app. And I suggest going and reading that. It is superb. It is good. But we're gonna start in this episode with X-Force number six. All right, and X-Force number six is written by Benjamin Percy with art by Steven Segovia, colors by Guru FX, and letters by VC's Joe Karamanga. And the issue says the master. After the assassination of Professor X on Krakoa, mutant leadership formed an agency for counterintelligence and combat application, dubbed X-Force. Beast, one of the most tenured and trusted X-Men on Krakoa, leads the counterintelligence operations. And this issue seems to be more about what Beast does, the, the line that Beast is stepping over The idea that Beast is kind of making up his own rules as he goes. He's throwing in a little side deal, a little, you know, hey, that's the fine print that I'm saying here. They're not supposed to kill humans. Well, are they human? Like, this all comes into play. And by the end, I felt very uncomfortable with what Beast is doing. I think that Jean Grey does as well. And I've liked the X-Force book, one of my favorite books that we've been talking about in this whole catch up. And I like this issue enough, but it's kind of like I said, it's less about the actual story that's going on and more about what Beast is kind of going through and what he is doing here. And so by the end it felt a little bit like, okay, I didn't really get much of that. And You could have just told me, hey, Beast is going over the top. And so by the end, not my favorite issue of X-Force, but I think a very, very important issue of X-Force. You start off by Beast pretty much tooting his own horn. Hey, look at me. I'm like a conductor of an orchestra. All these people. Look at Kid Omega. He plays the violin. Look at him. Look at him go. And, you know, a guy like Wolverine. He's like a percussionist. He just pounds on the skins and crashes the cymbals and stuff. But I am also five steps ahead. I know what's going on here. I'm the greatest leader ever. He just kind of goes on as you get in. and, And you do end up opening kind of in advance where you do see the whole team. And it looks great. The art looks great. They're fighting what appears to be like Groot's or maybe even swamp things if we want to go like DC route, but they're fighting some sort of vegetative monsters that we'll find out who they are in a minute, because all this is taking place on Terra Verde and Terra Verde is a nation that president of Terra Verde is about to sign the treaty with the mutants. They didn't at first, but they're coming around to it. Xavier's there. Black Tom is on Xavier at any point. And Black Tom is really trying, in my mind, to be his own hype man throughout all this, since he still feels guilty that Charles got killed on Krakoa. So I think that he's really pushing the idea how great he is now. And you see that he did an okay job, but they weren't really targeting what he thought. But so all this is going on in the middle of this press conference where this president is saying Hey, we're going to side with the mutants, everybody. We're going to get this medicine. It's going to be great. I mean, it's going to be awesome. Uh, you end up having these guys; they transform into these telephloronic monsters, these you know vegetative monsters, saying, "There's not going to be a treaty." You're nonsense, President. This is nonsense. We're going to stop this. And they end up kidnapping the president's son. Now, we find out through all this and through Gene reading the mind of the president and them figuring out stuff, and Beast is a smart guy, they figure what is happening is Terra Verde has been doing experiments, telephloronic experiments. Now, I'm no rocket surgeon. I don't really know what that means. I know what they say, it, so I'm just going to repeat it. But they're doing plant experiments, right? They have the green thumbs here on Terra Verde, and they're trying to expand that. And so they're they're trying to replicate, duplicate, replace the Krakoan deal with medicine. And the the whole deal in this is there's Terra Verde. You know, if they can come up with a replacement for all this Krakoan medicines and things like that, humans will dump and drop those mutants quicker than you can say, you know, Sassafras. It, it would happen. And then terra verde and the terra verde government everybody in charge they'll be rich so when we find out that the president's son who has been kidnapped by these monsters is actually in on it and seems to be one himself that is no surprise i do like where they explain the idea that these scientists are doing this telephloronic research and i actually like saying that telephloronic uh, it, it's like me i sit in front of the tv like a vegetable, telephloronic. See, it all makes sense in the end, right? That's what I say. Duh. But no, you you end up where they make the metaphor deal, the connection of, it's just like when you had the early experiments on, uh, you know, nuclear bombs and nuclear fit, all that, where the people doing the experiments, a lot of them, most of them ended up getting nuclear radiation and died from it. So, you end up having that as a result of your research. These guys, you know, unfortunately, or they seem to be okay with it, fortunately, they end up getting this deal where they become these monsters. So, basically the president has to say no treaty now because he doesn't want his son to be killed but the x-force comes in and it it is funny because like i said black tom's like hey i I protect everyone they're like they weren't after anybody you were protecting black tom they were after the guy's son you didn't help him but it's not his job but so when you go you end up having all this being revealed well Beast is looking into it and Beast as he sends his X Force off to fight off these, you know, telephoronic vegetative monsters and try to save the son of the president. They eventually find out he's in cahoots with them, but when he sends them off, he's figuring out stuff about them. He's looking into some research. He sees their research and realizes that they are a huge threat. They are a threat to all the mutants. They're a threat to Krakoa, and more financially uh, and overall, it seems, but also says they're omega-level threats. He he keeps saying this, especially the gene, and I don't know that that's true. I think that he's lying. I think he's just really upset about this research because omega-level threats don't just get knocked down and then you just wipe them out. I mean, I think they would have been more of a problem, but... And this is the thing. Beast wants them dead. Beast has said at the beginning when X Force goes in, you can't let people remember that we're there. And it's even explained, you know, they, they go in and wipe out some sort of terrorist organization that was doing something and they wipe everyone's minds. And the next day, the building exploded because of a uh, gas leak. You know, they don't want the mutant deal to be out there as anything bad. Even if they seem to be in the right, a lot of times y- you still don't want that press because of what's going down. So when you're going through this, you end up having these monsters, they get knocked out, they get, let, you know, they're down on the ground. And Beast says to Gene, you know, leave no witnesses. We can't have witnesses. And uh, it says the Telefloronics are capable of healing their host as they are hurting you. So He's saying they're just going to heal. They have a healing factor. They're going to come back. That's a witness. We can't have that. Gene's like, Wh- whatever happened to don't kill humans? I mean, you're telling me to kill them. Th- that's not what we do, right? And he's like, no, they're not really human. I mean, they're too far gone. They're more human than human, right? There you go. You have the whole rob zombie principle here you have the rob zombie clause they're more human than you no no they're not going to come back so you got to kill them she's not very comfortable with this and she's not and also they're a mega sentinel you know deal <laughs> they're the level and this is where an og like Gene. oh my a mega sentinel you say well i guess i gotta listen she's not happy with it she ends up doing this she is pissed she ends up saying you know Hey, because Beast knows this is not right. And Beast is saying, thank you, Gene. You did great. You did the right thing. Oh, my goodness. Everybody's going to be down with you. Or, you know, we'll make you a cake when you get back. And she actually says, don't be so effing patronizing. She knows this is wrong. It's not right. It gets even worse. And it, it ends up really getting towards, like, the DC identity crisis level type deal. Uh, and people really lost their minds about that and still do because they end up getting this son of the president. They end up getting him and the beast is doing experiments. They're trying to figure out some things. And what they are going to do now, they're going to return the son to the president. But they want the president to really be on the mutant side. So he finagles the numbers. He pretty much makes this kid brain dead. Gives them back to the president, who then blames these telefloronic terrorists. Now is more down with the mutants. It's bad. Well, Beast is thinking ahead. He says, "I always think a bunch of steps ahead." This is the plan. Well, as that's going on, and you you know you're reading the narration from Beast, you're there on Terra Verde with. This son who's brain dead, he's a vegetable right now. And I mean, it's quote unquote vegetable. It's kind of a funny deal that isn't funny, but he ends up melding and then kind of glooping, glopping out the window and then forming in what looks to be an even more omega level threat here at the end. And as B says, I never wrong. I'm always thinking ahead and I'm never wrong. I think this is going to bite him in the butt by the end. I don't think that that's any shock. But, yeah, it's good in a way where I feel real uncomfortable what Beast is doing. And I love Beast. So seeing that, it's not necessarily something that I think is way off the deal that he would do. And he is trying to help Krakoa, the mutants, with it, but he's going about it in a real weird, underhanded way and, and making the others, especially Jean, do things she's not comfortable with. But that ends the issue. I liked it. I liked it. I love the art. I think the art's great. And like I said, I like it in an uncomfortable way, but I still like it. So I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I'm not going to go any higher, mainly because... You don't really get a ton here. You end up having another treaty signed, yeah. But the way that that is done, because that kind of is boring by now, I, you know, that's not the gist of this. That's not the the POV, the vocal, the focal point of it. You end up having the B stuff, so that is more prominent the way that it's set up. So I think that it's done in a good way. So eight out of ten. I'll move on to the next book. All right. Marauders number seven is next, and it's written by Jerry Dugan, art by Stefano Caselli, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. A cut above. Hominis Verendi, a new organization with wealth and political connections, means to undermine mutantkind's new society, and will go to great lengths to do so. In response, Emma Frost and the Hellfire Trading Company will need uh, new allies by their side to face enemies from within and without. and they're not mentioning anything about Kate right there. And that's what I want to see is Kitty dead. Where's Kitty? What's up with Kitty? And they're being coy with that. We're not going to find out exactly. I think she's dead, but you know, it's going to take time because they haven't discovered this yet. And let's see what's going on. And maybe there'll be a twist, but it's funny too, because without Kate, which is my favorite part of the book, you are left with the Hellfire Trading Company stuff, which isn't my favorite part, but I'm starting to like it a little more. Uh but I don't need it to be fully that. I, I like when you saw Bishop, Storm, you know, Bobby out, Al, Pyro, all out going about doing some things without Kate. That seems like that might be done, except you start off with Callisto showing up. And I thought and they just trying to throw Callisto at me so I, I fall in love with her and don't mind about Kate because, yeah, I kind of do like her, kind of, you know, my type of lady here. As she goes in and meets with Emma, Emma wants her to be her white knight in the whole Hellfire Trading Company. Again, this whole machinations and things going on. Now, she is not aware that Kate, is, the Red Queen, is dead. And so that throws that power structure the heck all over the place. And where Emma thinks that she's on top of the world already, that is going to topple a lit a little bit. But, yeah, they're going to fit old Callisto with a white robe, and she ends up cutting it, stuff like that. Uh, much to, at first, the chagrin of Jumbo Carnation, the, the mutant tailor-slash-fashion designer of Emma, but then he loves it. He loves it. And you get you get a little bit of these things, you know, the whole Morlock thing with Callisto, but also in a little deal with Jumbo Carnation, kind of getting the idea of, you know, yeah, he must have died in a really bad way that Callisto is aware of. She's like, I'm glad to see you here. I'm going to give you this knife as a gift that they come for you again. You use that so you don't go down like you did before and all that, but it does seem As if Callisto is in, she is going to be the White Knight. She ends up putting this, you know, kind of an altered uh, outfit that she did with a couple slashes of the knife. She puts it on. Uh, But, yeah, then you go off to see some meetings. You see Callisto go out and meets up with Bishop. But, you know, and this is where the mutants are coming in from, leaving Kate. And they're like, hey, you know, what's up with Kate? Kate already briefed you every Oh, she didn't get here yet what do you mean? She's supposed to be here already. And so with that, you do end up having Bishop, like I'm going to go back to Marjorie I I got to find out. I got to find out what happened to Kate. Well, if you remember, Pyro has, yeah, it, there's a lot of craziness going on. Pyro has yellow jacket that shrunk down in his brain and is able to transmit everything that's going on. And you do go off to, the Verende house in Marjapur where they are watching that whole deal where Bishop says, I'm going to take the Marauder and sail for Krakoa. I'm returning to Marjapur. She, he's going to find out what happened to Kitty where they know he is coming. And this starts that whole deal because they're they're taping all this. They're showing people and they end up showing the Russian ambassador. Remember, Russia is not down with the mutants like Hey, we have an inside spy, we have some info, you want in, you're going to give us this money, all these things with that. And yeah, and so things are going as planned for them as Bishop is showing up and they know he's coming. They know that he is on his way, but he also knows that they know that they're on the way and actually throws out a little thing that's a subtle little thing, bit of info, that they have kind of their eyes on certain gates and things like that. So before they end up going through, they know if there's danger, and there's just a whole army, uh, you know, around this gate. Bishop throws in a grenade right before, blows some people up, comes out, starts headbutting people, starts doing things, and he does see who is involved. He recognizes Manuel and Duque as he comes at him, gives him a headbutt, Pretty good right and and with that You do have where uh, You know these Enemies of the mutants Of Krakoa they are really Centering on that hey you Don't kill humans deal it it Happens a lot like if you're a Batman fan It does happen a lot where an enemy will Go a little over the top and then say to Batman Well you're not going to kill me I know that You don't do that we're well aware of that And they try to use that for Bishop And Bishop actually is like you know Well I'm not allowed to kill any man, but I'm allowed to F him up. So, yeah, I'm going to do that. He does pretty much knock him out with a headbutt and then ends up finding this whole Verende, Marjapore LLC, all this stuff going on. So they're going to be figuring out some things with the a Verende deal on that side. But while this, again, is going on, Bishop then goes undercover. He's going to try to find out what happened to Kitty. In the meantime, you do go off. To Callisto, who was talking to Mask, talking about, yeah, this will be pretty good. We'll, we'll do this. We'll see how this is. Mask is like, I don't know. This doesn't seem good. She's like, listen, you want to go back and, and just live in the tunnels in the darkness, please? We're, we're going to do this. Just shut your mouth. They're golfing, too. Mask is the classic. It's like, I love this game of golf. Where was it all my life? And then gets so frustrated, he says he hates it, right? It's like marriage, isn't it? Well, all this is going on, and they end up, you go back to... The Hellfire Bay and the Quiet Council, there where they are having a vote. There is an empty chair. That would be Kate Pride's. And I love this. This is a really good scene where you have Sebastian who knows he was there. He knows he did it. What happened to Kate? Emma is draw you know, she's trying to figure out, but she's also playing it cool, like she would. I mean, it's Emma. And so, and like, well, you know, where is. The, the red queen and Emma's like well she got a hold of me she's just delaying Sebastian's like you liar I know you're lying because she dead and in, in that you know Emma's smart so she might be trying to dig out some information from Sebastian she might be trying to see how he reacts I actually not might she is and see what's going on with this and then realizes I believe it you know realizes already like yeah something's wrong so say hey, Sebastian enjoy your day to day but it's not going to last. And you have Sebastian. He like leans back and puts this thing. I'm I'm surprised he doesn't have a scotch and a cigar. And like, oh, there's somebody giving him a back rub, eating grapes. But yeah, he he's pretty happy with himself right now. And then you just go off to Marjaport Bay, where you have a mother and a daughter. I would think are fishing, and they even say, "Oh my God, I'm bringing up something heavy." Oh, if it's if it's that sunken, you know, mutant ship, you know what we have? do? We have to break it apart and do this. No, no, I don't. And it's Lockheed. And they're like, oh, my God, I don't think he's alive. I think this, you know, crazy little dragon is dead. And that's how it ends. So you have to see what's going on. But there is at least some evidence of stuff that might end up leading to an investigation to see what did happen to Kate and things like that. But I hope that Lockheed isn't dead. Well, I also hope that Kate isn't dead. But we'll see how that is. I really like the art in this. Like I said, it's not... A lot of things going on. This is more of a feeling out type of issue, I believe, after Kate died. Let's see. We got Callisto in. So I can say, all right, you know, I got her. I still like Kate better. But Callisto, like I said, my kind of gal there. And, you know, all these things going on and just the idea where you're sitting there and you know that Sebastian is laughing so much inside his head at all this. And, and Emma's starting to get worried, but she's, you know, keeping up a brave facade, things like that. I really like but. After all of that, I, I still can only give this a seven five. Again, it's there's some big moments, things like that, but the whole deal is not a lot happens in this particular issue, but I'm still looking forward to the next. So you gotta get where we find out what you know, the final part of what happened to Kate and maybe who has the body and stuff like that, if anybody, if it's just in the ocean. So I did like this, but I'm gonna move on to the last book. Of this podcast Something I didn't really like And that book is Excalibur number 7 Excalibur number 7 Is written by Teeny Howard Pencils by o. Wilton Santos Inks by Oren Jr Colors Eric Arcianega, And letters by V.C.'s Corey Pettit Tom Muller on design He's on design And I don't like this book and it is pretty much the brick wall for me of the Dawn of X. It doesn't matter. I don't care about the other world. It doesn't matter. I don't care about Morgan Lefang. I don't matter. care about Brian Braddock. Doesn't I don't matter. care about anything. Oh, my goodness. Matter. Yeah, I don't care about Jamie Braddock. I just I don't care about this book. And so when I get to it, it, my enthusiasm is just nothing. And that happened again in this issue. And it's The Hunt is On. It is. The Hunt is on. Oh, Excalibur reigns with evil sorceress Morgan Le Fay defeated and Brian Braddock freed from her clutches, right? Did it really feel like that was any bit important? And it should have. Did anybody really? Were they on the edge of their seat about Morgan Le Fay, who we barely saw and really had more of gardening issues than anything else, right? That's all she yeah. had. She didn't like them weeds growing in her, her scrying pond or pool. Oh, goodness. Apocalypse has maneuvered his pick for king under the throne, Jamie Braddock. Jamie may be a mad choice, but Apocalypse always has his reasons, doesn't he? He ain't telling. And despite no longer being possessed, Brian's time under Morgan Le Fay's sway changed him, really, into a man who unwillingly wields the sword of might. Now, I'll just go with that. If you came into this Excalibur book, like me, not reading anything from before and things like that, how do I know it changed him? I know you're telling me this, but I don't know. And the big change that I saw was he had a dream and picked the sword of might. Really? I had a dream and I, I picked the ice cream sandwich. What that? does that make me a bad guy? <laughs> you know? I don't know. It probably does. But so y- you have all this going on. And again, I don't care. So you start off with Betsy. Yep. Got to get rid of that sword of might. My brother don't like it. So let's throw it down here in this pit. And hey, Richter, you cover it up. Oh, my, Uh, you know, what happened if he digs it up again? Mm -hmm. I guess we'll have to deal with that when we deal with it. But I'm off to the other world to see my other brother, Jamie, who sits on the throne and and really is showing his junk there. He's got the, you know, really there with that open leg deal. Uh, Yeah, and and a swift win there is going to show us all. But we don't get that. That might have been some excitement. And really, the action in this book, it's just nothing. And you end up having Jamie's like, yep, I'm the king. No, no, no. You're not the king of all of other world. You just says, yeah, well, we'll have to see how that goes. Yep, we will. All right. Where's Apocalypse? Where is A? Oh, he's over here. All right, A, what do you want? Well, I'm going to rip out these pages of this book and throw it at you because it's your grimoire that you're going to have to read to get some of your power sets going down. But you know, it, whatever you can do that on your own time. Except I'm going to throw it in your face, a panel later, because I need you to help me get a magical folk eye that we need a multi-part dimensional component that can act as a homing beacon between realms. All right, that sounds like a lot of fun. That it's sounds so like great it? fun, right? And and everything's overly worded. Everything is a slog to get through. And so, yeah, you, you have this going on, and what you end up having is, A, Apocalypse. He needs the heads of werewolves that happen to be in the London Zoo. They're from Verse originally. They ended up coming to our realm, get captured, they're off. So they need these. Now, I think that this is something Apocalypse has, a little underhanded thing. We saw him experimenting on Morgan Le the last issue. And he even says they already, too, have a opening to the other world that mutants now can go through, the whole Cohen thing you're going. So there is going to be a showdown eventually. You can tell. It's even brought up later where – Yeah, I think it is Cullen Bloodstone who says, hey, Betsy, what's going to go on? You're the protector of Britain. But what happens if Britain goes to war with Krakoa? Which side are you on? And also, I think that that's shown here in the other world as well. What happens when Apocalypse decides to invade? And I mean, I'm talking invade like just mutants come in and the other world freaks out and doesn't want them. You know, it's going to be a conflict of interest with Betsy, which I think maybe where we kind of get her out of the Captain Britain or change. Who knows? Who knows? I'll probably be done with this book by then. So you end up Betsy goes out to talk to Jubilee and Shogo, the little boy turned into a dragon because he's in the other world here, but he's not eating. He's eating rocks and cans and he's clapping his hands. He ain't doing nothing. Jubilee's all beside herself Oh, my, what are we going to do? He's not eating. Oh, well, I think I'll pick up this Renaissance Fair ham hock and throw it in the air. Fetch! Shogo, and he goes off to get it. And now you you just wasted two pages of my life. (laughs) It's what you did with your nonsense. So then, yeah, you have that. And then you go to the London Zoo. Everybody's there. Hey, we can go in. And it's funny, too, because Shogo is in this book mainly – to have turned into the dragon, to use the dragon fire to open up the thin veil between the other world and our realm, even though the whole thing seemed to be that they're trying to get a port nonsense. But Shogo, the whole purpose seems to be done now. So what we are going to probably get and in this issue, we do get an extended scene where Betsy's like, you know what, I think I have found a babysitter for you for Shogo. That seems what it is. And it's Megan. Megan would be a great babysitter. You know what? You're right. Megan would. All right. Two pages lost. I'll never get them back. I'll never get them back ever. And I need them back. I don't have long on this planet. I, I can't. I'm going to, as I'm dying, I'm on my deathbed. They're like, you know, and I'll, I'll say it's my kids. Dad, Dad, well you have any last words? Like for mom, tell teeny Howard she wasted two pages of my life. They're like, I don't know something about some guy named Howard that maybe Dad ended up, you know, doing something with. I don't know some crazy wacky things he said. See, I couldn't talk very well. I'm dying, but they all they go off to this London zoo, and I, let's add. I, I think I need three pages from my life back because they go and extend the scene. Hey. Where are these werewolves at the London Zoo? Oh, oh, they relocated. You mean they they ended up just getting out and deciding to leave by themselves? No, no, no. They're animals and they're dangerous. <laughs> they're from Mojo Did you hear? No, no. Some guy came and took them. They're, they're pretty much monsters. And all right, well, lady, we're going to go and do this. My name's Pete Wisdom and I'm from the government and I'm going to do this and that. Hey, back off, buddy. You know, we don't need mutants around. I don't need your... Co- really <laughs> this is you couldn't just have them go and maybe like hey let's get those war wolves. and all of a sudden they see a newspaper war relocated cullen bloodstone has them i mean you end up wasting time so then from there all right well i guess we're gonna have to find out where those war are why don't we go get a drink? Yay, drinks. Let's go. Hey, let's go do karaoke because I think that the guy with the werewolves is at this bar doing the karaoke. It's Cullen Bloodstone. He loves the karaoke. All right, let's go to karaoke. Oh, my. He just gets done the karaoke. But well, you better talk quick because he's got another song in 10 minutes. I, I see the crowd there. There's not a lot there. I think that he's on in 10 seconds. I, you know, that that's the thing. And what is, what is he going to pick next? What is he going to do? Sweet Caroline? Can't we wait for that? Can we stand? Can we waste another two pages of my life finding that out? Please. This isn't fun. This is, and, and even if it is, this isn't important. I'm, I'm reading these other books. Oh my God. Beastie stepping over the line. He, he's doing things he's not good oh my god Jean's upset wait a minute in the, the the marauders you end up having that we don't know if kate's lot, but we even at the end you get lockheed all the and then here it's oh my god colin bloodstone is a karaoke really nonsense nonsense uh yeah they end up with Colin Bloodstone, he's like, well, why don't you come to my uh, estate, will you? That's the worst British accent ever. Hello, love. Why don't you come to the Bloodstone Summer Lodge? where We will be hunting those werewolves for a recreation and for a little leisure. See, they say leisure there. I-, I know this because my mother is from England. She is from Bournemouth. Born and bred, though now you go on her Facebook, she thinks she's from South Philly. I don't understand. Uh, th- this woman who never ever would even sit down and watch any sort of sports with me is now supposedly, in her mind, the world's biggest Eagles fan. Really? You're nonsense. She wasted a lot of pages of my life, but they end up going to the Bloodstone Summer Lodge, they do, in County Durham in England. I wish it was County Cork. That's my favorite. But, yeah, you end up having this where they're going to go and hunt the oros. You end up having those weird, you know, hairless Egyptian cat monstrosities that you end up having uh, with the old Cullen Bloodstone. That's one of the things where y- y- if you're so rich, y- you can end up having the monstrosity of those cats and pretend that actually I don't even think you pretend what you do is this is the move. I'm a Rockefeller now. I'm so rich. I get these hairless cats just so I can see these poor people, the the rabble as they come, the commoners when they say, and I say, aren't these cats pretty? And then I laugh when they say yes, because I know they're not, but they're saying it because I'm so rich. And then I throw them a dollar bill. That's all I throw them, because how do you think I got so rich? I didn't get so rich giving the rabble my money, please. But yes, yeah, so they're going to have a hunt. The hunt is on. And you have the... Excalibur team they separate hey let's go this way that way Gambit hey look at you you young lady there sitting on a rock near a stream hey you, you being mistreated here uh, were you here for a picnic or something you got lost I don't know but hey how are you doing I'm okay but look the other way huh and then she ends up pulling her skin apart because she's a werewolf that then attacks but it, really you have all these things in these setup. Nobody really has any problem here taking off the heads of these werewolf deals, and and really they look like Silver Surfer ducks, kind of, you know. That's a... and so yeah, as this is going on, you do see Cullen Bloodstone. He's revealing the monster within, and then there is one because he is a monster. So you do start seeing that as you realize that Cullen Bloodstone, he doesn't want to fight the werewolves. He doesn't want to hunt them. He wants to hunt the most dangerous game. Mutants. And then so ends. Oh, my. You end up having the game at the end. Oh, goodness. But, yeah, that, that's it. That's it. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, the only way I'm ever going to talk about this book is just goofing on it and having fun. So, you know, I hope you will allow me that. Please allow me to do that in my leisure, will you? But, yeah, it's it's terrible. It, it's not good. The art's good. Uh, but... Just like I said, just the idea of doing these books and important things going on. And then and then you get to this. <laughs> you get to this. And I like Apocalypse. I love Rogue. I love Gambit. I, I'm really, really getting into Gambit. And that really drives me nuts because of the fact that I've actually been reading stuff just for my own sake, just to have fun, read I'm reading a bunch of Gambit stuff because I never read any Gambit. And I'm really, really liking Remy. And then I get to this and he, he does nothing. And so I'm like, whatever, I'll go back to reading the other stuff. And, yeah, I, I actually like Jubilee. I know a lot of people think Jubilee is a joke. I like her. I like Betsy. I don't like Richter so much. We don't get so much of him. And Pete Wisdom, he can take a hike. But, you know, most of these characters I am enjoying, not in this book, though. And I just, it just doesn't have anything going on. It is the worst of all these books in my mind. And by far, a lot of these things are running. You know, you have a top tier deal where, I, in my mind, you have to put the X Men flagship deal there, but also X Force, Marauders kind of drifts a little bit below. But then you have all these others. New Mutants, I'm really enjoying. Even though that isn't the biggest story, at least I'm enjoying. Then I get to this. Luckily, we're done with Fallen Angels. And anybody uh, tell me that Excalibur ends at issue eight, and I eat, you'll be my best friend. <laughs> Maybe you can tell me that. I won't look into it. I-, I won't check the stats. We'll just all pretend. We'll look the other way, and we'll pretend it ended. How about that? Would that be good? <laughs> Would that be good? Cash me outside is what I say. Cash me outside. How about that? How about that? But that's the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had a little chuckle. A little laugh. And if you do like Excalibur and you're mad at me, oh, well, I, I can't do much about that. Most people are angry at me when we get done a podcast. So, hey, you have a lot of company. You, you'll be good. But again, I'll tell you where you can find us if you're not mad or if you are, if you want to yell at me. You can go over to the whole Twitters at the WS Marvel Comics. You can go to our website, com, where I will tell you that Brett reviews this book on the site, Excalibur, I'm saying. He likes it more than me. So if you do want a other opinion that is still the Weird Science branding, go over to the site and check those out, and you might be more in tune with him. Uh, But you can also go to our YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics. And I'm actually really looking forward to it. And I have been debating on whether or not should I do some videos for these x-men books but since i'm catching up and they are older some of these you know two months or so old i'm afraid that i'm going to do that and it's just going to be for nothing i did have an excalibur review earlier and it wasn't really viewed much so uh, that's why i haven't done that but once we get caught up i will so i'm looking forward to that i'm looking forward to doing some videos with the x books but i we also have a patreon That is patreon.com slash weird science where, again, you can go there, support us for what we do, but in return, uh, I record a ton of shows, a ton of shows, and, you know, that's about the most thing that I'll do to pat myself on the back is just say, I, I do try to put a lot of effort into it. You may or may not like it. That's for you, but there is at least the quantity there, and I'm sure there's something that somebody could get behind and like, but... Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to this. I am going to go off. It's burning hot in this room. It's very late. I just I don't know why these, you know, X-Men shows always end up after, you know, midnight. It's like, um, you know, after midnight, I'm going to do that nonsense. And you can tell because I would rarely sing just live like that for any other reason, except that I'm exhausted. So I'm going to go off there. I'm not going to be Eric Clapton because he did sing that. So if you're like, who sings that? And I, you know, I don't need that. I don't need that shade, but I will talk to all of you later.